You're listening to Unseen Theatrics with Clinton Kamak. Hello and welcome to today's episode. They reinforce the vocals, band, orchestra and playback tracks. They'll adjust the gain, timbre and the dynamics of the audio. Each is manipulated independently through the console, controlling the level of output the audience hears. Today we are talking to a front of house audio engineer. Mick has been a regular front of house engineer at the Adelaide Festival Centre over the past 20 years. Please welcome Mick to Unseen Theatrics podcast for today. Hi Mick. Hello Clinton, how are you? Yeah, good. And yourself? Yeah, not so bad, thank you. That's good, that's good. We've, um, we may as well get straight into it because there's plenty of stuff to talk about being mm-hmm. a uh, front of house audio engineer. Yeah. Um, Tell me some of the uh, responsibilities that you have as a front of house audio engineer. I'm uh, yeah, primarily as a front of house uh, engineer and operator. So, uh, but essentially, yes, I'm the person out the uh, out behind the sound console, out the uh, out in the auditorium. Yep. Essentially, when you do become front of house engineer, you kind of yeah, you, basically your head sound person for. Uh, the show itself so you're in charge of all all sound aspects i mean primarily you're in charge of um mixing the show and Mm -hmm. making it sound as good as it can possibly be for everyone in the auditorium yeah every every now and again uh you also have to provide fallback for the performers on stage but more often than not subject to the the size of the show uh sometimes that'll be taken care of by uh, a monitor operator who will be on side of stage Mm -hmm. with, with his his or her own um sound console uh, and they're in charge of um fallback wedges uh and or any monitoring for the uh, for the performers on stage and that person will also be um technically they're subordinate to the front of house um operator uh let's see so we're usually in charge of yeah basically mixing the show we usually take care of comms and cue lights uh sometimes vision as well Mm -hmm. that's just uh stage vision for stage manager yeah, and sometimes if there are any additional cameras set up, certainly within like you know things like musicals or theatre pieces. So yeah, we usually do quite a bit, a little bit of stuff. Yeah, and it's just basically making sure it all works. So yeah, dealing with all paperwork, keeping to schedules, uh, and making sure that everyone you know, gets well, every member of the sound team gets an appropriate break. Yep. Uh, getting everything done on time. Yep. Just communication amongst, uh, yep, just making sure that there's good communication amongst all staff, that everyone knows what's going on, so making mm-hmm. sure everyone gets all the paperwork. Yep. Yeah, you kind of become the go-to person. If anyone has any questions, it's like, well, I don't know, come see me. Cool. All right. Tell me why you enjoy being a front of house um, engineer. There is a lot of variety. Yep. I mean, it, it can be a really fun job. And I mean, working with a really talented performer, yep. it can actually be a really fun experience. I really enjoy mixing music. I think that's, um, I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a nine-to-five job. I mean, the hours, that's kind of a good thing and a bad thing simultaneously. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's plenty of variety. You do get to meet really interesting people. Um, yep. I've, met some, I've met some, you know, fascinating people. And, hell, I've even met some heroes over the years. Like, I, yep. spent, I spent five days working with John Cleese from Monty Python. Yeah, things like that, you know, make you go, 
oh my god this is fantastic there's been touring opportunities so yeah i've got to you know travel and see yeah multiple different places throughout australia and internationally yeah, yeah and the, and and just see how things are done in different places i i do find it fascinating uh, it's one of those jobs where yeah you also never really stop learning as well you can never really kind of just reach a point where you go right i know everything that's it i, I don't need to learn anything else you're constantly learning all the time so you've kind of got to keep an open mind new te- new technologies are coming out all the time and like in the past 10 years alone it's it's completely different mm. now and i mean if i could go back in time and say hey you're going to be doing stuff like this now it's it would be yeah really yeah yeah it's quite remarkable yeah tell me a couple of the things that you've got in your gig bag that you've got to have with you out at front of house or or when you're working on a show two things i definitely always have i'd say these are like bare bare minimum requirements if i'm if i'm doing a show decent pair of headphones decent pair of monitoring headphones not just like you know kind of the crappy ones that I'd use with like, you know, mm-hmm. my iPod my iPod or my phone or something, like a decent yeah. pair of monitoring headphones. But the one I always use for front of house are a pair of uh, a pair of Bayer Dynamic DT seven seventies. Okay. They're they're very reasonably priced, but they're really closed. So, you know, when you put them on, it kind of really closes you off from the outside world. Yeah. You can also turn them up really loud as well. Yeah. They sound nice, pleasant and flat. They're they're fairly popular with a lot of um Sound people, I, I mean, you know, it, it's totally subjective and I know that a lot of people have uh, their own preferred brands and types and everything else like that. Yep. The other thing I definitely have uh, out the front with me is a switch microphone. Okay. It's a short SM58 just with a switch on it yep. and just a, a short cable. Yeah. Perfect for, you know, testing the system, talking to any performers on stage, tuning a PA if, you know, there's no other equipment available. Also helpful for doing any announcements for uh, any pre-show announcements or, you know, talking to anyone on stage if you need to. Also in the event of an emergency and like you have to stop a show and the stage manager isn't available to make an announcement. Okay. But then, yeah, uh, elaborating on that, uh, I do have a laser measure and it's just like a standard tape measure. Things like that are really helpful. Some basic tools, some small screwdrivers, a little multimeter. That's also really, really helpful. Is that just for continuity of cables? Yeah, yeah, continuity of cables or continuity of equipment, things yep. like that. You know, testing batteries or you know, testing testing like you know, electronic components for mm-hmm. small failures. Yep. A little signal generator and or continuity tester as well, okay. uh, where you can just like you know, plug cables into and just you know, check that whether or not you know things are actually soldered correctly or not yep. out of phase or whatever. The the signal generator is that on your phone or is that something you've brought? Conveniently, most digital consoles these days actually have signal generators built in. However, sometimes it is useful to just have like a portable one that you can mm-hmm. even just like, you know, move closer, you know, further down the signal chain and just go, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to send some signal down here so I can ascertain at what point in the chain is something actually broken. Is it actually working here? How about here? How about here? Oh, wait, yeah, okay, it's not moving mm-hmm. between these two points. The problem is here. So, yeah. Yeah. What about iPad and router? Oh, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I work primarily in a in a series of venues yep. that covers Festival Theatre, Playhouse, the Space Theatre, also Her Majesty's Theatre. So we've yep. actually got our own internal Wi-Fi network dedicated to yep. sound now. So I don't so much need the router when I'm working there anymore. However, when I'm working 
outside, then yes, I would definitely take my own router. And yeah, an iPad is actually, yeah, it has actually become borderline essential now. There's a lot of consoles that do have an iPad app for them, like uh, the Yamaha ones, the Mm -hmm. Digico ones. It's not imperative, but it can make life a lot easier. And certainly for doing um, uh, monitors, also the ability to tune stuff and you've got like a real-time analyzer appearing on screen so it can help you identify any problem frequencies and then notch them out um doing tuning yeah it's and i do remember the first time i saw it in play i think it was yeah when the ipad was it had come out and had been out for like about a year or so at that stage but yeah a colleague of mine had it working with a yamaha m7 cl and i thought Oh wow, that is that is brilliant. That's a fantastic idea. Yep. Every console's now got an app for it. So yeah, and I mean it's great as well. Most of the time they're just free. Um, so yep. yeah, just download it on your iPad. Make sure you've got a router, and away you go. Uh, connection to consoles can be a little bit fiddly and a little bit annoying at times. But with every yep. version of firmware that comes out, that's there's usually improvements and making it a bit easier cool is there is there any other apps or software that you use regularly mm. out at front of house two that spring to mind a program called smart yep smart but it's double a so s-m-double-a-r-t mm. uh basically real real-time analyzing software so basically uh you just need like a sound card uh a measurement microphone and then signal uh, like a direct signal from the desk and then yeah basically you can tune your entire system you can work uh, check phase and polarity of everything uh you can yeah leave it running and just give you like a constant real-time analysis of your show i also have like a small handheld real-time analyzer as well it's uh, just like a it's a reasonably reasonably cheapish one uh, made by a company called phonic where it does a fairly similar thing the, the only difference is, is that it's basically portable it's got a microphone and a real-time analyzer but i can also check a couple of other things as well and literally walk around the room uh, another bit of software that i definitely use all the time is shaw's wireless workbench Whenever I'm using anything with radios, oh man, that is, oh god, yeah, that's that's a really really great bit of software. Mm. It makes it ridiculously easy, and the fact that you can put in all manner of manufacturers and just you know hit work it out, and yep. it will tell you available frequencies. But you can still change all the parameters, and I really like that bit of software. I think that's wonderful. That saved my bacon on a number of occasions. Every time there's a, a festival that comes up, I use that uh, quite religiously because I know that there's going to be multiple venues all running shows at the same time. Cool. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Tune in next week as we talk to a vision switcher. You need as much information as you need to hit the points you need to hit. And you do it early enough that if you do find something's wrong, you've got time to try and fix it. The more you work together with everyone, the better off everything's going to be. All right, let's start talking about an actual show. Sure. Pre-production, what kind of information, contact and that do you have with the company, producer, client in pre-production? Quite a bit. I mean, a production coordinator usually takes care of the majority of the information from the client. They're, the, they're always the first and main point, point of contact. Yep. However, that, that said, for specific sound requests or requirements and things, often we do contact and liaise with the company, usually uh, if they've got a representative sound person yep. or just they just have a production 
manager. Uh, we usually talk to them directly, so I, either via phone call or, or via email. Mm-hmm. As, as early as possible and find out if they have any specific requirements. I mean, it's always incredibly helpful to get basically a technical specification list, tech specs from them, yeah. uh, and also a mud map, which is basically just like a picture of, of their setup on stage. The mud map is always great. Picture speaks a thousand words. So, yeah, you can also work out where everything needs to be, where it's got to go, things like, you know, yeah, who needs microphones, who doesn't, who needs, you know, what performer needs how many lines on stage, mm-hmm. who needs foldback, where does it need to be. Yeah, all that stuff. You can ascertain a whole load of stuff from the, uh, from the drawing. Yeah, it makes life really, really easy. But, yeah, in, in the tech specs, there's always things like uh, microphones, specific types and, and uh, different things and stands, foldback and the type of PA that they want to use, any desks specific desk types that they'll use, radio requirements, and, and the, their preferred brands of things. Okay. Yeah, a lot of companies will you know, often be brand-specific sometimes, like they're happy with you know, one brand of microphone but not with another, same with PA and, and just about everything. So that's, you know, we always adhere to that kind of thing. The, the most important bit is, yeah, is yeah, ringing the client or, or emailing them and just, you know, double-checking. Okay, so is this picture or list of tech specs the most current and up-to-date one because the amount of times where we've set up everything as per the diagram and then the performer rocks up and goes oh so why is it set up like this oh man we haven't we haven't set it up like this for like years and it's like who gave you this list of information so yeah your production manager did oh Oh, okay. Well, we need to change it all completely. Okay. It does happen every now and again. But yeah, always double checking uh, some of the information is, yeah, is, is really essential. Cool. So from the, that, that information that you've got, do you draw up any other paperwork mm-hmm. from that to make bumping easier? Yeah, absolutely. Even when working on a show myself, I often do like to be, I always do like an Excel spreadsheet, just like write up a basic patch list. Yeah, it always kind of follows like a, a fairly standard formula. And it's basically keeping all the information as clear and concise as possible. Basically, desk channel, instruments, um, the microphone involved, or DI or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, any patch points involved. Yeah, and it can just show you, you know, all the equipment that you'll need, where everything is plugging into, uh, both you know inputs and outputs. Um, and yeah, just putting like you know any basic little bits of information that might be pertinent to the job. I mean, that's always essential if you're working with you know like it's a it's a reasonable size setup. Mm-hmm. Certainly, something like an orchestra or a band. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, gen- generally, I do always like to issue paperwork, especially if it's also more than just me working on the show as well. Uh, and. Uh, when I do gener- generate paperwork and patch lists, I also just like to have a bit of a chat with with someone about it as well. I don't just like to go, here's the paperwork, deal with it yourself, bye. Communication is actually a really important part of the job. Communication is amazing. Is there anything anything else in pre-production that I may have skipped over? Oh, uh, arranging hires on the list of tech specs from a, uh, from a client or company. That sometimes if they just have a specific requirement and they're not yeah. touring it and we don't have it, then we have to go, well, looks like we'll hire that in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that can also be, you know, subject to, uh, uh, subject to whether or not there's a budget for it as well. Uh, so then, you know, often uh, ringing up a hire company, getting quotes, Sending that through to production managers, getting it all approved, and then organizing, um, yeah, drop off and return day. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, all that kind yep. of thing. Do you have a a standard show file that you work from from show to show, or do you generally start from scratch and and build it up? Depends on the show. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do find that it can actually be really, really good just to completely start from scratch. Yeah. And also, yeah, if there's wacky little things that I've written within a show file, because a show file can kind of go, you know, layer upon layer upon layer. And sometimes there can be like little things that you've written in there and forgotten about. And then you'll go to push up a fader and go, doesn't what why doesn't it work it's like yes and then you have to find the layer at which you've gone oh yeah because i turned that into you know it's got a dca assignment that i haven't written on there and it's now controlled by that so effectively it's a dead channel or it's deallocated or something like that okay yeah it, it varies sometimes yes sometimes no or yeah sometimes just the scale of the show as well yeah Okay. Well, well, one thing I haven't asked you about is the sound desk. Mm. What brands do you prefer to mix on? Do you have a, a, a wide variety of desks that you're quite comfortable on? Uh, yeah, there's a reasonable variety of them that I'm quite comfortable on. I mean, there's two in there's two in particular, two brands in particular that I that I use, uh, Yamaha and Digico. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, at the moment, I'd say yeah, the one I probably use more often than not is a Yamaha CO5. I do like it. It's it's good. It's reliable. Architecturally, it's really easy to navigate your way through. Sound quality-wise, it's good. It's not amazing, though, and that's where something like the Digico is actually a lot better. Like, the sound quality in that is actually really fantastic. It's incredibly flexible. Uh, like you can set it up and configure the board however you want. Yep. Uh, yeah, I do really like that console. That's that's also a really, really nice one. Uh, and then there's a couple of other boards I've used by like Alan and Heath. Yep. Yeah, DigiDesign, uh, DigiDesign slash Avid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd they're probably be the main ones though. Cool. All right, we'll yep. move on from mm-hmm. um, pre-production and, and into the theatre. So yep. Bumping, mm-hmm. got all your paperwork sorted. What does Bumping, uh, how does Bumping look for you? Uh, yeah, usually, uh, usually yeah, walking into the venue, it's like, oh, it's an empty room. <laughs> unless, unless of course, the uh, company's using the standard rig, in which case, you know, yep. uh, everything should technically already be set up. However, if there's like, yeah, additional hires, like they want to use a completely different PA, then so often yep. we'll hire that in from another, um, from another company. We'll set up and configure that, uh, organize any chain motors and things like that, whatever. Um, and then also setting up a board out the front. Pr- yeah, primarily a precedence usually is taking care of front of house first. So you're hanging a PA uh, and setting up a mixing console out in the stalls. Mm-hmm. And then you're, once that's done, then it'll be taking care of monitors, so setting up the console and amps, uh, things like that. And then once once all that's kind of in, tested, the last thing we look at is setting up the stage. So, you know, once instruments and things are out, then we start running drop boxes, multi-cores. Uh, we start, you know, uh, mics out on stands in the appropriate spot on stage, cabling everything up, uh, and then doing things like line check, making sure that both monitors and front of house people have it, uh, have signal, I should say. Yep. Once... PA and the board out the front is set up. Then obviously it's output check to basically uh, all components of the uh, of the PA. Yep. But yeah, basically just getting everything set up. But yeah, kind of in the order of getting front of house, then monitors, then the stage, and then yeah, do, doing line check and then making sure that um, 
everything is in and functioning. Yeah, you've mentioned a couple of times about a line check and, mm. and checking outputs and that. Mm -hmm. What process do you go through to do a line check or check your outputs are all working? Mm. We'll do inputs first. If we're just doing, we've run our multi-cores out, but none of the instruments or, or anything is in place, yep. then often it's a good idea to have basically a phantom-powered mic, a microphone that requires 48 yep. volts, and literally plug it into each point on the multi-core in sequential order and then just yep. talk into it. Mm -hmm. Effectively, one person becomes phantom master and just make sure that phantom power is on all channels and then it's literally go through, talk into the microphone for each channel um, and then once it's complete, you know, wait. that person on stage just has to wait and hear back from the front of house person and the monitor person to say, yes, I'm getting that signal. Uh, we're both getting it on the same channel or the same point or where they where that person actually expects to see it on their board and then going from there yep let's say it's um a show that's already set up uh, and microphones are already out in front of all the instruments then it would be literally basically the same deal person you know you'd get a person on stage just to walk around in the order that they appear on on the um, on the mixing console and just talk yep. or have a bit of a chat or tap a microphone and just make sure that everything is appearing and sounds as it should. Yeah. In the first part of sound check, are you setting rough gains on on inputs? Usually once the actual the correct microphone is in place. Otherwise, you know, when just doing a micro when just doing like a basic line check of like yep. you know, that's always going to be kind of set to the uh, set to a kind of a really really basic gain level that's just mm, kind of generic but not really set to anything it's just an like an arbitrary amount to go well it's there it's working but often it's not necessarily a vocal mic per se so that can be a little bit misleading but once the correct microphone is out there yep and also you know the the instrument is in place or um, you know, I, I can actually get a chance to talk to the performer and say, okay, you know, play something for me. And then I'll be able to, uh, once I've made sure that, you know, the microphone is actually in the correct place and hasn't been moved or bumped or whatever, and they can play, that's when I'll actually start setting my gain level. And essentially, it's just, you know, make sure it's like a, a you know, it's the Goldilocks rule, not too hot, not too cold. Um, yeah, but basically aim for a, on a, on a digital, yeah, that's right, the Luke <laughs> on, a, on, a on a digital console though, I mean, uh, we always try and aim for, I mean, it, it varies a little bit on manufacturers, but yeah, basically the rule is uh, minus 12 dB, uh, mm -hmm. dB full, so, you know, FS, which is dB full scale. That I remember that being basically the equivalent of zero in the old, uh, in the old analog realm. Okay. Yeah, so basically that'll still give you 12 dB of headroom. Uh, it'll provide you with like a strong nominal signal. And then, yeah, effectively fader up to zero. And But it doesn't, you know, it's not like, you know, on the board, all faders have to be at zero. It's it's going to be subject to, you know, what actually sounds good. And that's, and that's the role of the mixer. Yep. Ultimately, yes, at, at a nominal level, that's actually providing you with the most electronically efficient nominal signal level, so to speak. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's effectively you know, kind of the ruling behind that.
Okay. Oh, uh, and as far as checking outputs are concerned, yep. yeah, as I mentioned before, most digital boards these days just have like a signal generator built in and you can assign it to channels or just, just assign the signal straight to an output or whatever. That makes it super easy to just check an output. So like, you know, uh, literally at the start of every day, that would be the first thing that I'd lean on is, you know, just once I've fired everything up, switched on all my amps, everything's ready and raring to go. That's the first thing I always check and just do a signal generator basically check all of my outputs, make sure that everything works, have a listen to it, make sure that my system is is functioning and you know nothing's gone wrong in between you know the night before and today. Yeah. You know, that I that I haven't made any mistakes and gone, oh whoops, I forgot to switch that amp on. Um, yeah, things like that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that works. It's mm. a good routine to get into. Oh yeah, and yeah, and routine is yeah, it's really, really important. Yep. Can you give us a rough guide of how you'd set up your your desk with groups, effects, DCA, scenes, and that kind of that kind of thing? Well, one, I mean, one thing I am a really, really big advocate of is it's a little like you know the old rule of keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, um, kiss. Yeah, the kiss. Yeah. Although basic things, I generally do always set up subject to the size of the show. I do always prefer to have uh, things like vocal groups. Yep. just like a separate vocal group so that I can, you know, make sure that the vocal, you know, will always have the, you know, the presence uh, and a little, you know, and sometimes a little bit more of a lift that it needs to get over the top of everything else, especially if it's a really noisy band. So that'll always be set a little bit differently to the rest of everything else that's on stage, just because the vocal is always going to be the priority. It's it's the top of the pyramid. That's going to be the yep. thing that uh, is is most important. Uh, effects and things, I always like to have, you know, some reverbs and things. So, yeah, there'll always be a dedicated vocal reverb. Uh, I'll have a, uh, a reverb um, set up for the uh, for instruments as well, or specific instruments if, if they if they're required. Like if there's a particular feature or something in the show that requires like a really really long reverb or a specific effect, then often that'll have its own um, that'll have its own effect uh, dedicated to it. I mean that that's one other nice thing about lots of digital boards now is that you can have like an, an infinite amount of effects and things and it's you know it's all built into the console instead of having to rely on something that's Outboard. external to your desk yeah uh, sometimes like a vocal delay as well that can be that can be helpful that can be a nice effect yeah subject to you know the context of the show that yeah. kind of thing yeah. uh, DCAs and stuff well I mean at the very least I always have a vocal on a DCA yeah. that's always yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's always a finger on that one. Yes. And uh, generally each instrument as well. I do actually really like mixing off of DCAs. It's, it, they're just, yeah, a really, really great way to simplify bands and orchestras and that kind of thing just so you know it's it's yeah, collecting all your channels into just like a few faders. That's, that, that's actually probably a, a nice definition of what a DCA is. Yeah. Your faders are and are still doing everything they're supposed to, but the DCA is just acting acting as an overriding controller, mm. like a fading mute, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I also yeah, vocals, each instrument. I also kind of like to put um, effects and things on uh, DCAs as well. So, of course, you know, get to the end of a song, get rid of the vocal reverb. Yep. Yeah, like I mentioned before, scenes, I do kind of like to keep it simple. Yeah. Like I said, unless it's a musical, I kind of like to keep them as minimal as possible. And even okay. then when I do do a musical, I try not to over I try not to over program. Yeah. Yeah. What about mute groups? Do you use mute groups at all? Mute groups? Uh 
Not in a show. Uh, I tend to use mute groups if I'm walking away from my board. So, like, you know, lunch, lunch and dinner breaks, that kind of thing. I think yeah. they're really, really useful then. So, and I always like to, you know, put things like uh, radios or vocals on, on a mute group. Or in some cases, I just like to go all inputs on a mute group or all outputs on a mute group. Mm. And the reason why I split them up is because it means that if I need to be able to I don't know, mute everything on the stage, then I can just go mute all inputs, but still leave the PA running so I can play, I don't know, some pre-show music, or I just want to jump on a microphone and then, I don't know, make an announcement or just test my PA, then I, I haven't muted absolutely everything i've just kind of selectively muted everything that's on stage so yeah no that's fine that works if you like what you're listening to check out my facebook page unseen theatrics for more show notes and links sharing education of live theater with the festivals and that that go on at the festival center they're not all Mm -hmm. one day gigs in and out in a day no no that's right so you go through some tech runs and and dress runs and that Mm -hmm. what do you do during tech runs i mean dependent on the show make any adjustments changes to scripts and things and write in any cues like or do uh, take care of any automation or programming Mm -hmm. things like that yeah work out what stage requirements or, or you know, mic moves, things like that. If the monitor person has to make any changes, adjustments, or you know, physical changes and adjustments to yep. anything out there on stage, yep. just make notes. Just, just basically make the show, make it so that the show becomes kind of as seamless and, and easy as possible. Your your notes are they? Are you a digital person with notes, or are you very much pen and paper? Pen and paper, yeah. For a script, I've never actually done one like off of an iPad. Okay. I have worked with plenty of people that have. Yeah. But yeah, I've just, I've never really used my iPad for that. It's always been a case of print out the script and then, you know, draw all over it in, um, (laughs) often in uh, in colored pens or colored Sharpies or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, I probably should start, you know, using using iPads and things. But no, I, I just also, I often just find it a lot quicker and easier to just quickly doodle and, and scribble notes, yeah. Mm. During this time, do you get any feedback from people about what you're doing with the mix or with the sound? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, you know, usually there's like a director or technical manager or a representative from the band or something. Yep. Not so much during soundcheck, that's usually you know kind of it's just time for us but yeah once we actually start rehearsing yeah that's when we do and i mean it's yeah sometimes it can be really really helpful to have a chat to them and just mm-hmm. say you know all right look you live and work with the band i mean you know what they're supposed to sound like especially if, if i'm unfamiliar with the band and their music yep. or just like the context of the show or something mm-hmm. often it's a really good idea to have a chat to them and just say all right look so tell me about the band like you know What's the context? Do you want more of a jazzy feel or do you actually want it to be like, you know, quite loud and prominent more of like a rock type show or like, you know, tell me about the style with which you want me to mix. Are there specific like effects that are required? 
yeah, uh, let you know, just basically tell me as much information um, as you can. I mean, in some cases, you know, people are just happy to just go, no, just do whatever you want. But sometimes there are people that, you know, will actually have, oh, no, 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 we're actually really specific. We want X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, and it's fine. And it's just, you know, yeah, just trying to make sure that their needs are met. Um, I don't think I've had, like, any too many weird and wacky requests over the years. Yep. How closely do you work with the with the artist, whether they be your spoken or musos or whatever else you get on that stage? Uh, sometimes, you know, we can have a, a lot of interaction with the artist. Sometimes it can actually be a little bit minimal. It can really just be, you know, engaging pleasantries, hellos, goodbyes, hey, how's it goings, and and not much more than that. But every now and again, you know, there'll be there'll be artists that I work really, really closely with and some that actually, you know, really enjoy working with as well. I, I work with repeated times. Yeah, which which can be, you know, actually really wonderful. Cool. Hmm. All right. Does much change during during dress run? Depends on the show. Like I mean, I've worked on some theatre shows and things. Well like, you know, even in dress run, the director will turn around and go, Oh yeah, that bit's cut, that's gone. You know, that song's gone. <laughs> you know, we're not doing or we're not doing that song anymore. Which, you know, is totally fine. Then it's just, you know, being flexible to what they want to do. Not so much in a dress run, but um, like, you know, on a performance of a year for musicals and things, you know, there'll be a, an actor that's off sick. And so there'll be a swing, a replacement. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's uh, then doctoring things to, to make it suit. Can you just expand on that a little bit? If if an actor does get sick and there is a swing, mm. what what checks do you need to do with that swing to make sure it all it all works seamlessly? Usually, they'll have uh, yeah. Often the swing will have their own dedicated microphone. Yep. But yeah, often they'll just wind up wearing the same pack. But then yeah, just making sure that they actually you know they're comfortable that they actually get an opportunity to come out and actually you know you can actually hear a little bit of it, mm-hmm. which is always really really helpful. So you can actually judge okay, so the person that they're replacing, like how evenly matched is it going to be, so that I then don't have to go and totally reprogram the board to actually make the show work. I can actually go all right, well they're going to be at approximately the same level. They're going to sound approximately the same. I'm going to EQ them so that that, they sound, you know, as they should or appropriate or, you know, pleasant or whatever. Uh, And then, yeah, then I can actually mix the show and make sure that, you know, that channel will then appear where it should. It will sound as it should so that, yeah, the show can basically continue as it normally would, but with a completely different person in a role. Yeah, it, it does require like a little bit of, fine-tuning and, and and changing stuff. But fortunately, I mean, certainly for the case of musicals and things, uh, people do usually kind of have that in the back of their mind and, and they do always have something that's flexible and, and, and amenable and, and easy to change. Um, so that, that's that's built into the programming of the of the sound desk when when they're putting it putting the show together. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, yeah, fortunately, a lot of digital consoles also make it really, really easy to just, you know, replace a channel. You can just go, well, okay, fine. I actually want that to appear on that channel where normally what I can replace it with something and then just make it go through the whole show. Or you can do in some cases what's called like a recall safe or a focus or something where you can just go, okay, I want this to now just affect every scene for the rest of the show program done okay now it's just it's always going to be there and i don't have to go through like 170 cues and change everything fortunately a lot of manufacturers have made 
programming uh, easier and a bit more flexible. Yeah, which is which is a really really good thing. All right, let's talk about a show day for a running season. Mm. When do you get to the venue? What checks do you do? Run me through a show day, a, a standard show day. I mean, it depends on the context of the show. Like you know, if it was a musical, it would be around about two, sometimes two and a half hours before the show. Yep. But if it was just like a band or a theatre piece or, or whatever, then it would probably just be more like an hour, hour and a half before the show. Okay. Let, let's go with like the musical option. Yep. So that would essentially be um, coming in, powering everything up. Yep. Front of house person would do complete system check. Yeah. Uh, so make sure they've got signal coming out of everything, which mm-hmm. they can do with signal generator, pink noise. And all music. Yep. Uh, just making sure that everything works everywhere. Do I, I know you can hear it, but do you physically have someone there at the speaker as well if there's fallback or effect speakers as well? Yeah. Yeah. It is a good idea too. And I mean, at the very least, if you know what it sounds like in a particular location, like, you know, you, yeah, you can be like a reasonable distance away from it. And, you know, if you fire it up and it sounds a bit wrong or weird, but, you know, preferably the environment is quiet and you just, you know what to expect. Yeah, okay. Then, you know, you don't necessarily have to be in another. However, that said, there's a lot of touring musicals and things that I've worked on where it's like, no, 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 seriously, dude, I want you to walk around and have a listen to every speaker. Um, surrounds, mm-hmm. go upstairs, uh, out into the auditorium. Uh, yep. Yeah, I want you to listen to everything. And, you know, fair enough. I mean, that's that's just like a a consistency and a quality control thing. And I mean, you know, they're just like, this is our routine. This is what we just want to do. Yeah. Like I said, the routine is really, really important. Um, just making sure that, you know, mm-hmm. your checklist is has gone through, making sure it's all complete. Yeah. Uh, so making sure that everything works. Uh, monitors, they just fire, they've fired up the console, fired up their amps. They've checked all their monitors, uh, any in-ears and things like that. While that's happening, there'd often be like a radio person that would be, uh, battering up and testing uh, all radio mics, and then often they would go to the mm-hmm. front of house person. I, either the whole bucket would yep. go to the front of house person, and then they can check them again, so they can just you know check any EQing or any stuff like that. Or alternately, the person on stage just brings them out, talks into every mic one by one, has a listen. Yes, everything is working. There's no faults, no breaks, no weird and wacky things, no sweat deaths that have happened from the night before, things like that. Once that's done, then the radio mic people would start waiting for performers to start getting into costume, wigs, makeup, all that other stuff, and they'd start sticking radio mics on everyone. Oh, yeah, after house is open, like at about the half hour mark. Yeah, Mm -hmm. hopefully by that stage, performers have actually started coming up onto stage and just going to the radio bench and having a chat with the radio operator and doing all their doing all the radio mic checks. Yep. So you do another check with the actual performer that it still sounds good and still okay? Uh, the radio person definitely would. Yes. Front of house person, not so much so. They'd kind of leave it to the radio person. And, I mean, yep. yeah, if they are having any problems, then the radio person hopefully will pick it up and just, you know, say, oh, hang on a sec, yeah, we've actually got a problem with a mic here. I don't know performers gone to the toilet and yanked the cable out or something or you know they've broken it they've gotten it wet they've gotten makeup into it yeah the stuff that we we just have to change their mic over and then usually once that's happened then they do get in touch with the front of house person and say okay look here's the change that we've made just have a listen to it out the front so usually they'll be on a pair of headphones they'll be 
PFLing or basically soloing the channel and they'll just be hearing it through that set of headphones mm -hmm. so they can go, yep, it sounds pretty much the same. Yeah. That's really good. Thanks for fixing that. Away we go. Yeah. Oh, actually, earlier, another check that usually takes place around the time when monitors and um, things like that, often it's a good idea to run around check comms and things as well, especially radio comms. That kind of thing is usually another good idea to leave yep. that to chance. And, uh, oh, any cue lights as well. Things like that, they're, yeah, they're always good. And I guess uh, the, the cameras come into that, that same category yeah, as well. That, yeah, they would as well, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, any vision requirements, things like that, making sure the monitors and cameras and everything is switched on, they're working. Once all of the performers' radio mics have all been checked, usually yeah. there's two different types of communication. Usually one type of communication I'm a really, really big fan of is basically just having two computers set up with something like Skype or an instant messaging program. Yes, I've heard of uh, Radio World by Nemes ne Nemesis, I think. It Nemesis, is. that's yeah. the one. That's actually another really good Apple bit of software that's actually worthy of note that I forgot to mention yeah. before. Yeah, is just have two computers set up with a simple network between them, yeah. and then you can literally quietly type messages to one another. Front of house person doesn't need to be on cans, nor yeah. does the radio person. So they're constantly having to take headphones mm -hmm. off or comms yep. off to talk to one another it's just a quick type of a message and you get all the information that you need yeah so then um yeah commun uh, clearance would be given to uh the stage manager just to say yes we have you know uh, all all of our performers are mic'd up and everyone's been checked and everyone's ready and raring yep. to go and then front of house person also gets notification as well to say yep everyone's here everyone's tested we're ready and raring to go and okay. then shortly after that the show begins that's mm -hmm. usually at about five-ish minute marks subject to you know how tardy the actors are yeah okay how about do you start a show you've just mentioned about taking comms on and off during the show mm. and it's not mm -hmm. ideal do yeah. you stay on comms get off comms when, when what about when do you about take your comms off and and just listen to the show really depends on the type of show i mean your musicals and bands and stuff as soon as Basically, we've been given clearance. Yep. That's usually, you know, and I've talked to the stage manager and said, yeah, okay, everything's ready and raring to go. That would be the point at which I'd take, uh, I'd take comms off. Yep. I'd usually kind of like to stay on for the very start of the show to hear yep. you know, the stage manager saying, okay, we're going, here's the first cue, everyone's doing this, or, you know, if there's a cue to get rid of some house music or whatever. If there's a specific cue that starts the show mm -hmm. that the stage manager's calling, then obviously I'll be on cans for that. Yep. And then, yeah, I'll jump off cans as soon as possible. Uh, but for something like a theatre show or something where it's, you know, like a Q-Lab heavy show or something like that, I'll just stay on comms the entire time because the stage manager's calling the shots for every every cue that has yep. to be fired. Yeah, but bands and musicals, yeah, I'm off as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I can actually listen to the show and just kind of mix it and, and do my job. And most of the time I'm, I'm reading a script, so I know when my cues need to be okay cool i hope you're enjoying today's episode and if you are spread the word let everyone know about unseen theatrics sharing education of live theater kind of mentioned it here and there how do you deal with problems that may arise during a show sometimes it depends on the yeah, on the actual context of, of the show like yeah, yeah. if it's a yeah theater slash musical piece say their microphone does yeah. we have to wait until they come off stage before we can actually fix them or if it's something like a you know if it's something like a rock show or a band show it's not so bad you can kind of get away with just 
marching out on stage to fix a mic that's been knocked over or something. And it's not, it's kind of acceptable, so to speak. People are kind of used to seeing st- seeing stage people on stage for, for bands and that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of acceptable. It's not great, but it's like, well, yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it's a forgivable sin, like in a musical or a theatre piece. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yep. That's, yeah, yeah, totally. it's, it's contextual. Yeah. I've worked on many musicals or things where people have been mic'd up and, you know, yeah, connectors busted, it's come loose or something. So, yeah, hopefully when they come off and it's usually getting in touch with the radio person or the stage manager just to mm-hmm. let them know and say, hey, look, I'm having a problem with performer x how long is it before they come off and then when yep. they come off the radio people would jump on them try and fix the problem you know stick a new microphone check their pack whatever check it at their end and then by the time they go on again hopefully you know the problem's been rectified yeah uh, every now and again yeah it's it's horrible when you're out the front someone's mic is starting to die and it's the start of a really long scene and things like that just happen sometimes and all you can do is just kind of grit your teeth and bear it because it's like it's a technical failure there's nothing i can do about it well i mean in some cases it's literally just turn them down a lot or off depending on what the fault is mm. like if it's yep. you know a busted connector that's going bang crack bang then it's a good idea to just take, take them out. out completely and then also everyone else on mics is a good idea to kind of dip them down a little bit yep. often it's one thing i'm a big fan of as well is also having some shock if i can get away with it, having a bunch of shotgun mics and things yeah just so that you can kind of like bring up an ambient level of of the stage so you can kind of cover everyone that way sometimes it's not always applicable but that's just shot shotguns down the front of the stage yeah exactly right yeah yeah just so that it's providing something instead of okay i've completely turned off that actor and now there's that i can't them at all yeah that'll be affected a little bit you know by like the size of the venue that kind of thing um but yeah just kind of compensating and changing things so that they work I mean, in some cases on, you know, really important shows or or the larger scale musicals and things, lead performers often will have uh, two two radio mics on them. Okay. Like they'll have a main and a backup. Yeah. So that if one dies, they can just switch to the other one. Yeah. For bands and things, uh, for people with like, you know, handheld radio mics and things, I'm always a big fan of sticking a hardwired microphone down the front, just coil up on a really long lead, shove it underneath the wedge, and we just tell the performer, the lead performer, in the event that your microphone dies, just put it down, pick up that hardwired mic and just keep going. And look, it has happened. I've okay. actually had a number of shows where the radio mics just died. It's just, and in some cases, like a performer's dropped the radio mic, picked it up again and then gone, oh, it's, it's not working. And that's at that stage, yeah, they just go, oh, wait, hang on, there's a hardwired mic. I'll just carry on with this. Yeah, it, it, it does happen. Yeah, Murphy's Law, sometimes stuff just breaks or it just craps out for seemingly no apparent reason. Or you'll go, oh, it stopped working, carry it off stage, look at it, oh, it seems to be working now. Uh, okay. And then you try and get it to fault again. Of course it's not going to fault again. Yeah, that's right. Oh, cool. So you, you try and build in some redundancies where possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, you know, test everything as, as much as you can before. 
before any show. And I mean, you know, that that's part of like, you know, the checklists and everything is like, you know, check absolutely everything. Like, you know, on, on radios, it's always a good idea to, you know, when you battery up, you know, do the wiggle test, check your mics, check antenna, check reception, all that stuff. Because I mean, they always take a beating, they're subject to like, you know, moisture, sweat, people will lie on top of them, they'll sit on them. Yeah. Little things really do take a beating, so yeah, it's I'm I'm a big stickler for testing the hell out of them. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good thing. You've uh, given some uh, good tips there. I don't think there's anything else during a show that uh, I've missed during the show. Just try not to stuff up, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just yeah, uh, yeah. Listen to the stage manager for all cues. Certainly, yeah. If you're on comms, or you know, yeah, if the performer's giving you any cues, like you know, set list. Uh, yeah, and they've got, you know, specific requirements for any specific effect or if there's specific songs where there's, you know, uh, you know, one person's, you know, playing an instrument in one song and not the other. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, case in point, I don't know, like a, a bass player switching from like a double bass to an electric and they don't have like a mute pedal, then it's a good idea to remember, oh, yeah, for this song, yeah, mute the double bass, make the electric live, that kind of thing, things like that. Yeah, just yeah, basically paying attention, doing the best job you can. Yeah, totally. All right. What pack up do you need to do after after a show on a show day? Um, on a show day, uh, collect any radio mics. Yep. Uh, deep battery. Just make sure they're clean. Everything's put away. Anything that's I don't know, kind of valuable on stage. I mean, I always like to collect all radio mics and bring them off stage. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if there's any changeover into like, I don't know, for, let's say like a, a music festival or, or something, just in case there's mm-hmm. like, you know, one band on stage that finishes the night and then the following night there's another band in, then, yeah, we will, you know, clear clear the stage of, you know, all radio mics, push any instruments or risers out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just, just make sure that we're kind of prepped and ready as best we can be for what's up the following day. Just check any paperwork, have stuff set aside so that, you know, we can change into that other act really easily. Yep. If it's a long-standing show, do you mm-hmm. save your show file each day? I do like to save the show every day simply because, well, it's like it, the, the files generally tiny yeah. and it really doesn't matter. So, yeah, sometimes it is a good idea just so that you've got, like, you know, a running record or, you know, if something weird and wacky does happen, then you can kind of look back and go, oh, yeah, what did happen? Or, you know, if you've made, like, a programming change or something that, you know, could actually be quite useful. Okay. Uh, I don't know, for something like a band or something, oh, probably not. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, yeah, it's just usually the scene based on the band. And that's kind of it, all changes and yeah. things. I just I kind of make up on the yeah. fly. Um, yeah. Now we move into bump out. What do you do at bump out? Well, uh, yeah, so it's basically pack up everything, return to a st- or, yeah, return to standard rig. So, yeah, it's get rid of, yeah, any hired-in equipment. So make sure that that's all packed down, collect and ready and rearing for the hire company to either pick up that night or the following day. And if it's yep. and if it's the following day, if you're not in the following day, making sure that it's actually in a known location for someone else to take care of it. Mm. Account for any breakages. Yeah, leave a note. Uh, see if they can be sent off for repairs or whatever. I mean, it's usually just 
leave a detailed list of what is actually broken and then, you know, basically leave it aside to be dealt with yep. the following day because no one's going to deal with it at like 12 o'clock at night. Yep. I'd say any paperwork that would need to be done, preferably like charge sheets or anything, consumables, just like tapes, mm. batteries, all that kind of thing because they usually want to, production coordinators want to resolve that stuff as quickly as possible. Yep. However, yeah, if there are any breakages, then yeah, often that needs to be included on a charge sheet as well. Yep. Usually that's notifying production managers and things like that as well. Yep. Then it's really just put everything away, make sure it goes back where everything is supposed to, return to a standard rig, and then possibly sometimes an email out to, I don't know, like bosses or production coordinators to say there was a problem with or the show ran over time, so now everyone's, you know, bump out had to be delayed and so, it, yep. you know, people yep. will just need to be paid overtime. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Uh, really just, yeah, notification and yeah, clearing things up. But, yeah, really just, yeah, it, it really comes down to communication if there's weird and wacky things that have happened. Because, yeah, if you don't tell people and then production coordinators or you know, your superiors go, wait, hang on, you were rostered for this, but it's this now? What? Okay, can you tell me what's going on? Instead of them chasing you, you just let them know and then usually, yeah, yeah usually it's fine. So, yeah. Communication, yeah. Okay, mm. cool. So that's bump out, wrapped mm-hmm. up. Yep. Is that the end of your responsibilities? Do you have any other post-production responsibilities after the finished in the theatre? Not really, no. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really... I mean, some of some of that bump out stuff can spill over into the following day, subject yep. to, you know, the, the way the event's been scheduled. Okay. Any tips or tricks that you could pass on to people that may want to get into this industry? Yeah, like a, a, having a calm, uh, yeah, reasonably calm, friendly attitude. Uh, yep. Being like, yeah, positive and proactive. That actually, that goes a really, really long way. And look, starting out, you don't have to know everything. But mm-hmm. having an eagerness to learn and also finding the right time to just, you know, say to say to someone, you know, that, you're you're attached with or whatever look hey tell me about this i want to learn about it but obviously if you can see that they're trying to find a problem with something then it's probably not a great time to actually start bugging them but yeah uh staying flexible and you know being resourceful so being able to you know change and uh, or you know yeah last minute requests for things and going oh okay well we don't have that but we can substitute this or change this or make this work or yeah things like that uh, being a good communicator and yeah having like you know, getting paperwork done you know, you've got like a decent patch list or you can you know pass on information to people so that they can get the work done from a technical standpoint uh, I'd say now more than ever having network skills is actually really, really important. Yeah, have, having a degree of IT skills does actually go a really, really long way now. Yeah. But so much sound stuff now has become audio over IP. Yeah. Everything follows that rule now. So, I mean, most devices are plug and play, but it really does help to understand the way that networks work and, and certain types of topologies and, and all that kind of thing. Because, yeah, it's completely different now. Um, yeah, you really never stop learning uh, in this job. It's like, yeah, new technologies come out, stuff changes. And it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, cool. 
All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up, Mick. Thank you much for being a part of today's episode of Unseen Theatrics. No problem at all. Thank you, Clinton. Thank you.